Maybe Emmett Jones just gets whoever he wants. May, may, I don't know. It kind of seems like it's working out that way thus far. Crystal Balls rolling in for Jordan Tyson. Wide receiver in the portal out of Colorado right now. And uh, nothing is a guarantee in recruiting or the transfer portal. But the, uh, the good vibes seem to be pretty strong with OU and Jordan Tyson right now, Parker. So Emmett Jones is hot and... He may be staying on the heater here. I tell you, it's decisions down. at least thus far, man, it's been exactly that. Emmett want, Emmett get. <laughs> it's what it feels like thus far in recruiting, via the portal, whatever. If you are from the state of Texas, and especially if you're from uh, around that Dallas area, Emmett Jones is probably going to have a pretty good chance to get you by the time it's all said and done. And I went back and looked at um, – Quite a bit of highlights today from Jordan Tyson. I did yesterday, but looked at a little bit more yesterday, and I, th I think that there's a lot to like there. I heard you earlier saying that you can't sit here and guarantee that he's going to be the best wide receiver in the room, and obviously that's where I'm at, but there's maybe a little bit more versatility than what I initially knew about him, and, and what I mean by that is here's another guy that you could get via the portal that could help you out on special teams. Now, objective number one, clearly – is that he's a really good wide receiver for you, and he was at Colorado last year. He was their best wide receiver um, at the time of his injury. He might have been the best player for Colorado at the time of his injury. I know they were 1-11. I know they weren't very good. I know that may not be saying a whole lot, but Jordan Tyson might have been the best player on that team last year until he got injured. But this guy is a special teams demon, man. And, and not only are you adding wide receiver depth, maybe you're adding someone that can help you out on that side because – I, I saw a couple of big-time punt returns for him last year at CU, including one that went for a touchdown against Arizona State. Still no punt or kick return touchdowns for the Sooners since 2016. So the more weapons you can add in that regard, the more guys that you can stockpile on your roster that can give you a chance to break a big return at any point, whether via punt or via kick, then that's never a bad thing, Tyler. And the Sooners in – Presumably Tyson, but also Brennan Thompson and Peyton Bowen and Gavin Freeman and Gavin Sawchuk as well have a bunch of guys right now on the roster that are capable of snapping that drought this fall. Yeah, it's got to be um, – I, I don't know if this, like, puts him as the favorite if he ends up picking OU, but the fact that this guy has made big special teams plays as a punt returner uh, would mean that I would think that he would have a chance next year to, to be a big uh, – to be a big factor in that regard what what what's what would you say is Jordan Tyson's best asset as a wide receiver like he's, he's six foot two 180 I I saw him I saw him get behind the defense quite a bit with yeah. a lot of speed so I don't know if the deep ball is his best asset just getting behind defenders but that's what he did best last year at, uh, at Colorado it's definitely the speed in my eyes the ability to separate and Creating separation isn't all about speed, as we know, but speed certainly helps, and Jordan Tyson's got a lot of it. I'd be real curious to know, Tyler, because I, I was just now thinking about this as you were talking. I wonder how many other teams there are in the FBS that have gone longer without a kick or punt return touchdown than Oklahoma. That's got to be one of the country's longest droughts. Well, and here's not a here's something that's not fun to think about. How many have they given up uh -huh. in that same time frame? You know, like Kansas State alone feels like they probably would have had two or three against OU in in that time. So, I don't know if we need to bring the mood down on a rainy day and think about that. Maybe someone could go back and look, but 
Yeah, you've given up a few of those, unfortunately. And there's probably not a whole lot of teams, Parker, that have gone as long as OU has without a kick or a putt return for a touchdown. Knipplemeyer Chevrolet text line from the 405. Why, and why is in all caps here, why are we wasting scholarships on all these wide receivers? We need linemen, two exclamation marks. Why are they wasting scholarship on all these wide receivers? Because uh, it's what Brent Venables wants to do. I I don't view them as wasted scholarships. And I, I am unclear as to whether that texture means you need more offensive linemen or more defensive linemen. I do want to be clear. You have plenty of offensive linemen and plenty of talented ones. It's just that a lot of them were injured in the spring. They will not be injured come the fall. Things will get better in that capacity. On the defensive line, yeah, I don't disagree. It would be nice to have another big dog or two that could. But how many of those guys are really available? And that's exactly what I was just getting to. You know? Realistically, especially at this point, how many true difference makers at that position are you going to find in the portal? Because just in general, Tyler, there are not a whole lot of game-wrecking defensive tackles that hit the transfer portal, period. And when one does, a la Bear Alexander, generally their destination is typically pretty set in stone. Yeah, and, and we found out that, that OU at least reached out to, to Bear Alexander, so there's at least one defensive lineman that they tried to get via the portal, but... Why are they wasting scholarships on wide receiver? I, I'm with you. Like, I wouldn't say it's wasting a scholarship at wide receiver because, to me, that's one of the bigger question marks going into the offseason. Like, I think wide receiver will be okay, but has a true number one emerged? No, not yet. Like, they, they still need a lot more production at that position. And to kind of go back to what we were talking about, any time that you can go get a player that could be the fastest player in program history – Remember that conversation I told you about with Mike, Mike Brooks last week? He thinks he might be. Anytime you can get a player like that via the portal at a position of need, you, you, you go after that guy. And anytime you can go get a player like Jordan Tyson, who's a threat down the field and at punt returner as well, I think you go get him. So maybe they were always going to take one or two wide receivers. I think it's more about – these are two pretty good players that OU had a chance on, and I think that's why they're going after two wide receivers. Well, here. and Sooner Gundy says in the text line, only two guys that you know have produced at wide receiver, and that's really what it boils down to in my eyes is, yes, there is talent, yes, there is depth, but how many proven commodities are there at that position? And when you stockpile more guys at receiver, especially more guys that have played Power 5 football before via the transfer portal, i.e. Andrell Anthony and Brennan Thompson – the higher likelihood that at least one of those guys is going to hit and give you what you need at that position in terms of production. Uh, why is Tyson leaving Colorado, says the texture in the 580. So w was he available at all this spring? Like, did he get to practice in front of the new staff at all? Or was that maybe an issue as to why he decided to leave CU? I don't know, but basically I just assume that anyone that's leaving Colorado at this point is out on Deion Sanders because <laughs> Deion's already so. processed all the guys that he wanted to process. At this point, anybody that's leaving is leaving because they are of the opinion that it's going to be a dumpster fire in Boulder as opposed to a resurrection. Yeah. Yeah, The Athletic had a story out today uh, about like anonymous coaches sounding off on what's going on there. And really, like, the, the popular thought was they are going to run into serious, serious depth issues. 
Like, their starting 22 might look might look okay by the time it's all said and done. But with the really tough schedule that they have to play, they're going to need some depth, and they may they, they may they may not have it. Like, we'll, we'll see if they get to 85 players. But, yeah, there's not a whole lot of confidence nationally that this is going to work out all that well in uh, in year one. And count me. Count me in that group, please. Oh, boy. This... Santa John says – oh, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> I was about to say, this is just a funny little slip-up. Jim in Arlington said, it seems like a long time ago since Ronnie Perkins had the punt return hat trick on Owen Field ah. against UCLA, and I just have the image in my head of Ronnie Perkins returning a punt. That's a unit right well, there. And then he would have rolled the ball to the UCLA sidelines like he did to the OSU sidelines in that 2020 game. Might have gotten flagged this time around. I don't know. But that that was Ronnie Perkins, right? It was. Basically threw Spencer Sanders to the ground like a rag doll and then like rolled the ball over to OSU. Yeah, sideline. Ronnie was on one that Man. night. He'd been he, he had a lot of pent up aggression because I think that was one of the first games that he played after coming back from that suspension. That uh, that was the ultimate David Uwebu highlight play. Oh my gosh. Uh, by far and away the most impressive play that he ever made and I remember thinking, like a lot of other people, OMG, that was an incredibly athletic play. Watch out for David Huebu. Here he comes. And uh, maybe he does something nice at Houston, but well, we just never saw anything can close I, uh, uh, after that play. Can I voice an opinion that might be unpopular? Actually, I I, I don't feel like it's going to be that unpopular, but sure, go ahead. It might, now that I think about it, it might actually be more popular than unpopular. David Huebu should have never continued playing inside linebacker. He should have moved to defensive end. What he's doing at Houston, what he plans to do this fall at Houston, I don't think is what he should have been doing at Oklahoma the last two seasons. I don't. Yeah, I don't. I don't think that that's going to be too unpopular with the uh, with the text line, especially if he has a really good year this year at at Houston because he's going to get a lot of snaps out there. Yeah, I, I don't think it's that hot of a take. Uh, let's see. Is Brennan Thompson faster than Hollywood? I. Maybe. I, I'm just telling you, and I've told you what Mike Brooks said, in terms of, like, track times, yes, Brennan Thompson is, like, one of the fastest players we've seen around here in a while. Does not mean that he will be even a major contributor this year. But you get that guy in, out in, open, in open space, and I'll probably take my chances. Yeah, Brennan Thompson, regardless of where he matches up against Hollywood and some of the Oklahoma speedsters of old, one thing that you can say when you turn on the highlight reel that that kid generated in high school and you look at the couple of plays that he made in a Texas Longhorns uniform, he's got the ability at any point when he's got the ball in his hands to run away from everybody else. And you can yeah. – <laughs> it, it, it does not hurt to have one of those guys or several of those guys on your roster at the wide receiver position. So safe to say, since we spent virtually the entire segment talking about a Colorado wide receiver, um, OU feels like they sit in a pretty good spot for Jordan Tyson, correct? Yes. Nothing's OU is changed here in the past two hours or so. OU is the very clear favorite to get Jordan Tyson right now. But not his brother, who's a basketball player. Nah, not his which brother. Would be a nice add too. Although the OU basketball staff is trying. They are trying. Wow. Well, hey, um, OU has fared, at, at least I think, especially if you get Eli Bowen, they fared uh, pretty well recently with uh, you know trying to get the younger brother along with the older brother. So this would be one of the few times where they've uh, struck out on that one, unfortunately. 405-651-3439 is the Knipple Meyer Chevrolet text line. I'm at an elite spot today. Even though it's raining, 
I still say that chicken and pickle is an elite spot for this Thursday. Pickleball, you guys have heard of it, right? You can play it outdoor here at Chicken and Pickle. You can play it indoor here at Chicken and Pickle. The food is amazing. The bar is amazing. There's TVs everywhere. I'm set up uh, right here uh, just by the main bar. So I'm going to be here until 6 p.m. Looking for something to do on a Thursday? Come hang out. Uh, they got TVs everywhere. Come watch some games out here. We're going to have some fun this afternoon. Right here, Chicken and Pickle, 8400 North Oklahoma Avenue, right here in OKC. More Cruton coming up next, right here on The Ref, for the Homeless Sooner fans. Locked in with McComas and Thune, live on The Ref, for the Homeless Sooner fans. Chicken and Pickle today in OKC, 8400 North Oklahoma Avenue. Come hang. You can come hang inside, play pickleball inside. Uh, you can do a lot of stuff, even in the rain, here at Chicken and Pickle in OKC. The Ref Army listening nationwide. Once again today, just like every other day, Charlottesville, Virginia is tuned in. St. Louis, Missouri. Capistrano Beach, California. Keller, Texas. Jackson, Mississippi. Fort Knox, Kentucky. And our small Oklahoma town of the day, Tuttle, Oklahoma. Now, sometimes I have to ask, Parker, who's the highest rated player ever to come out of said town? <laughs> We're we're all we're, we're all good on Tuttle, right? I, I got some people with the with the Mo Dampier reference out of Illinois last week. I think we're all I think we're all good on Tuttle. At least I hope. I would sure I hope so, man. Ones. Otherwise, I'm gonna have to get on my Jason White soapbox for another 20 minutes. Oh, you think he's severely underrated, right? Yes, he does have a statue. Uh, well, not not underrated, but underappreciated in the landscape of the Oklahoma quarterback conversation and the greats that have played the position, Jason White does not get enough cred. <laughs> Jim in Arlington says Antonio Perkins for uh, Tuttle. Who said Ronnie <laughs> Perkins for the, uh, for the, for the punt returner. Ref Army Locator brought to you by K&N Furniture Consignment with locations in OKC and on Main Street in Norman. Shop K&N for all your home furnishing and design needs, offering both new and custom furniture, the original one-stop shop. Uh, spent a lot last segment talking about Jordan Tyson, who's in the portal right now, visited OU yesterday. Now, the the best ever transfers, one, two, and three, I think are pretty obvious in OU football history, and all three of those are quarterbacks. Who who would we consider the best ever transfer at wide receiver? Would it be Jalen Saunders? Would it be Justin Brown? Would it be Obi Obi Hallo? I just wanted to say it that way. I don't think he's in that discussion. Are, are we good with Jalen Saunders being uh, recognized as the best wide receiver transfer in program history? To this point, I would say, yeah, I would say yeah, probably so. Probably go Jalen Saunders. Obi Obi Hallo never actually caught a pass in an Oklahoma uniform. He did yep. drop two touchdowns though. Yikes, man! Jason White, best touch uh, on the long ball of any OU quarterback. Period. This is a texture in the 918. That's uh, that's pretty hard to argue. Jay White knew how to throw the – I mean, Baker Mayfield did as well, but Jason White probably had the prettiest deep ball of any quarterback that's that's played at OU before. Jason White, man. He had the touch. He just, and he could place the ball. And, man, it – I think one of the great what-ifs, you know, we talk often, and it could be recency bias, but we talk so often about what Rodney Anderson might have become at the NFL level if he hadn't had all those knee injuries. I don't know if we talk enough about what Jason White could have done at the NFL level if he'd had functional knees. Huh, y'all left off Oklahoma legend Doriel Green Beckham. Oh, gosh. DGB. 
What was that scout team in 2014? They had Baker Mayfield, Joe Mixon, and DGB. Wasn't that their scout team? Uh, that yes, season? yes, that's a pretty that's a pretty solid <laughs> scout team. And somehow that team only uh, went eight and five. Let's see. I Hollywood Brown, best transfer wide receiver. Are we counting uh, Juco? Westbrook. See, I wasn't. I was just talking about like strictly like portal guy, like from yeah. from another school here. That's what I was counting, but. If you wanted to extend it out that way, then, yeah, the conversation is between D.D. Westbrook, Jalen Saunders, and, uh, and Hollywood Brown, sure. But I was just talking just like kind of mostly portal for, for the most part. DGB, it's hard to – we're getting a lot of DGB on the text line right now, but DGB actually never played one snap at the University of Oklahoma. Now, had he played in 2014, this conversation could be totally different. I don't know, but he was just a uh, – he, he was just a scout team legend at that point, un, un, unfortunately. Don't forget Hall of Famer Justin Brown. I am not. And, and that's the thing about Jordan Tyson, man, is we talked about him as a punt returner. Jalen Saunders was a great punt returner and had a huge punt return touchdown in that Bedlam game in 2013. And then Justin Brown had a huge punt return against OSU in 2012, the year before. So – you mentioned it earlier, how long of a drought it's been since OU's had a punt or a kick return for a touchdown. Well, I, at least recently, in like the past 12 years, those have come mostly from transfer portal wide receivers, which is very, very <laughs> odd. Yeah, it's very true. And Justin Brown was also Oklahoma's second leading receiver in 2012. So, you know, people will remember the punt return, sure. But I don't know if they remember – as well, what he was able to accomplish that year as a receiver in the Oklahoma offense for Landry Jones. Uh, Mark and Blanchard, wasn't Mark Bradley a transfer from Arkansas State? Yes. I want to say that was Arkansas Pine. I thought it was Arkansas Pine Bluff. You're right. It was Arkansas Pine Bluff, but yes, Mark Bradley was a transfer. You are correct, Mark and Blanchard. Uh, it, hang on. Is Mark and Blanchard Mark Bradley? He could be. Is he texting he, well, it about he got himself? his own school wrong. He got his own school wrong. Is that, just his, is that just his <laughs> ploy to get us talking about him? Uh, maybe. If, if that's what it takes, that's that's fine with me. Threw us off the scent saying the wrong Arkansas school. I, I don't hate that. Uh, agree 100% on Jason White, says the texture of the 918. He was really fast before his knees came unglued. That's the thing is I feel like Jason White, at least initially in 2001, was maybe more of a threat running the ball than he was, you know, throwing the ball at that time as a young quarterback. Like, he he made some plays with his feet coming in for uh, Nate Hibble in that 2001 OU Texas game, but as unfortunate as the two knee, two knee injuries were, like, it, it made him a better pocket passer for sure. That's why he won the Heisman in and 2003. And it's, it's part of what makes his evolution all the more impressive because you said it. In 2001, you can make the argument, well, he's a better athlete than he is a quarterback, but – the way that he had to develop his game in order to become the Heisman winning quarterback that he was in 2003 and the Heisman runner-up that he was in 2004, well, he, he had to basically, and I, I'll bring it up again because, again, I want everybody to have full context for what Jason White accomplished at Oklahoma. He had to take snaps out of the shotgun because he couldn't crouch yeah. down and take snaps from under center. That's how limited he was athletically because of his knee surgery. So when you understand the full context behind what Jason White accomplished in those two seasons as Oklahoma's starter, it's very, very impressive. Ronnie Crimson says, don't sleep on Dean Blevins. Uh, 
move on from that one. Dean Choctaw, Jalen Saunders might be the most underrated OU wide receiver of recent memory. He was really good, man. I, really, great special teams, great as just a wide receiver. So what, in that 2013 Bedlam game where OU was a 10-point dog, Jalen Saunders had a punt return for a touchdown that really kept OU in the game, and then he was the one that caught that game-winning touchdown pass from Blake Bell in the corner of the end zone. He kind of he did it all for you that game. Yeah, I mean, Jalen Saunders probably doesn't get enough credit out of best wide receivers in the, uh, in the past 10 years. Uh, this one for the 405, don't forget slinging Sammy B for the deep ball. Yeah, we, we've referenced the deep ball this segment, and, and it actually kind of goes to this year's team. You know, there's a lot of things that they have to do better this year, Parker, especially offensively. But right there at the top of the list, they've, they've got to be more consistent with the deep ball. And I think they can. I, I think DG, maybe he's not elite throwing the deep ball, but I think he's good enough. Whether it's wide receiver separation or, you know, hitting some of those layups down the field, being more consistent with the deep ball this year is its really going to go a long way into this offense being a whole lot better this season. But that's, that's, that's one of the main things I look at offensively and say they've got to be better with the vertical passing game because it was too inconsistent last year. Yeah, there was a lot of inconsistency on offense for Oklahoma a year ago, and I think it's to be expected when you're dealing with a new system and everybody's playing together for the first time. And to be fair, there were a ton more inconsistencies and inadequacies on the defensive side of the ball than there were on the offensive side. I maintain that 70 to 80 percent of Oklahoma's issues as a team last year originated on the defensive side, but certainly there are some things that you can sharpen up offensively and that's where, you know, we heard from J.D. Piquel of On3 earlier talking about Dylan Gabriel and why he expects him to have a better season in 2023 than the already statistically impressive season that he had in 2022. And I think not enough is being made about what value Dylan Gabriel is going to bring to the offense simply by virtue of being the steady hand on the tiller and what that is going to yield across the board for Oklahoma. Uh, we have a couple people on the text line freaking out a little bit about the uh, on three top quarterbacks since 2013. So really like the the highest ranked quarterbacks of the uh, past decade. Here's who they have. Trevor Lawrence at number one. This is coming out of high school. Trevor Lawrence at one. Justin Fields at two. Arch and on. Arch Manning. Archibald at number three. Bryce Young at four. Quinn Ewers at five. Dante Moore at six. Nico at seven, Jackson Arnold at eight, Malachi Nelson at nine, and Caleb Williams at ten. Dude, how many names from last year's class are in the top ten in the past decade? Four? That's incredible. It no, just... five. H- half of that list. Arch, Dante Moore, Nico, Jackson Arnold, and Malachi Nelson all in the top ten. And it just Whoa. goes to show you how special that 2023 group was at quarterback and why we haven't spent a ton of time talking about the quarterback class in 2024, not nearly as much as we were talking about the class of 2023 around this time last year, is because it is truly, I would say, the deepest and also most top-heavy quarterback class that we have seen in a couple of decades. It would not surprise me if we look back on this 2023 class at the quarterback position and regard it as the best of the modern recruiting era because there is that much talent. Yeah, and and, and by these rankings, and maybe 24-7 and rivals have different rankings for these prospects over the past decade, but according to this one, Jackson Arnold would be one of your highest-ranked quarterbacks ever coming out of high school. 
I don't know like if they would have had a ranking for Rhett Bomar, but Jackson Arnold ranked higher than Caleb Williams coming out of high school. Like according to on three, he could be your highest ranked quarterback that you've ever had at, at you know in program history, which is wild to think about. Well, I think he'll certainly be the highest ranked quarterback in program history that finishes his career as a Sooner because you think about well, the top true. flight quarterbacks that Oklahoma has landed in recent memory. Rhett Bomar lasted a year. Caleb Williams lasted a year. Spencer Rattler lasted three years, one and a half as the starter. And so what the hope is with Jackson Arnold, and it's a reasonable hope, is that this is a guy that you can turn over the keys of the program to for as long as he wants them and trust that he's going to do everything within his purview as the quarterback to get you back into championship contention. So, so far, like, the, the guys on this list that have already finished their collegiate career, Trevor Lawrence obviously worked out at Clemson, won a national championship, number one overall pick, and I, I feel like the Jacksonville Jaguars are going to be pretty good here moving forward. Justin Fields, maybe not as much NFL success so far, but still a first-round pick to the Bears. Uh, Bryce Young was a number one overall pick, and then you have a Heisman Trophy winner in Caleb Williams at 10, and then you have five freshmen who haven't played yet, and then there's Quinn Ewers. Like Quinn Ewers is kind of the one in a category by himself right now that's like, all right, he's still got time to do something, but uh, kind of needs to be this year, or he might be the name in the top ten that sticks out, and not in a good way. How shocked would you be if Quinn Ewers loses his job to Malik Murphy this fall? Because – I've seen all this stuff circulating on social media today about how there were teams trying to tamper with Malik Murphy throughout the spring to get him in the portal and get him to come play at their particular school. And obviously no names were thrown around in terms of the institutions involved. But that leads me to believe what here's what we already know, right? Malik Murphy can play quarterback and play the position very well. But that also leads me to believe that this is a guy that does not hold to the opinion that he's going to get lost in the shuffle between Quinn Ewers and Arch Manning. If Malik Murphy is willing to stick around when he's got opportunities elsewhere to be the starter, there's obviously confidence there that he can start at some point along the line at Texas and maybe in the not-too-distant future. Back to the, your question, I think the answer is yes. Like, I, I think Texas, and maybe you'll use the same, but I think Texas is going to start more than one quarterback this year. I don't think I'm going to go as far to say three, but I, I think that Texas starts multiple quarterbacks this year just because I'm not, I'm, not I'm not a big believer in Quinn Ewers right now. I, I, uh, I really need to see it to believe it, and without a top ten pick back behind him at running back, I'm really intrigued to see if he can have the year that everyone's waiting on. I'm just, I'm just not sold on, uh, on Quinn Ewers. Knipplemeyer Chevrolet text line 405-651-3439. Pickleball, it's one of the fastest, I think it is the fastest growing sport in all of America and is most popularly played as doubles, two-on-two, on on a court the half size of a tennis court with an oversized ping-pong paddle and a small plastic ball. You probably know what pickleball is at this point, but if you haven't been out to Chicken and Pickle in OKC, you need to come check it out. They got outdoor courts, they got indoor courts, great food selection. Um, I've been to an event here in their event space. I've been here several times. The bar's awesome. Again, the food is awesome. It's just a really, really cool space out here in North OKC, 8400 North Oklahoma Avenue. 
Come check it out today and uh, coming up this weekend as well. More to come next right here on The Ref. We're the homeless Sooner fans. Locked in with McComas and Thune, live on the ref for the Homo Sooner fans. Chicken and Pickle today, 8400 North Oklahoma Avenue in Oklahoma City. I'll be here until 6. Come by, hang out, have a beer. Watch some games here later tonight at Chicken and Pickle. Yes, it's raining, but they have indoor pickleball courts as well. So yesterday we ran down a list of, what, 10, 11 prospects that – we feel OU currently leads for, so maybe they don't get brought up every single day. Just a little bit of a, a check-in. Like, has anything changed with these particular prospects the, the last week or two? And really, kind of for the most part, not really, and OU still leads for just about every single prospect, if not all of them, that we mentioned. So how about this, Parker? I've got one, two, three, four, five, six targets that they don't lead for. Okay. In fact, they may be even committed somewhere else. But let's check back in to see if anything recently has changed. And let's start with five-star uh, five corner out of Waco, Kobe Black. Kobe Black is probably going to take an official visit to Oklahoma. I, that wouldn't surprise me at all. But I, I, I think Oklahoma is going to have a lot of ground to make up in the end if they want to land his commitment. That I do not consider likely. Uh, who's who's the leader there for Kobe Black? Is there an obvious one? LSU. LSU. Um, Danny Okoye, who we thought may not ever, OU may not ever get a visit. He's one of the best players in the state of Oklahoma. I haven't heard anything new on Danny Okoye from the Tulsa area. Anything to note? No, no. Uh, that OU has absolutely zero shot at getting Danny Okoye because he has absolutely zero interest in Oklahoma. Five-star linebacker Sammy Brown. Guessing Clemson is still thought of as the leader here? Clemson still got the edge. Uh, I believe he's taking a, an official visit to Tennessee as well, if I'm not mistaken. So he's going to OV to Clemson, Georgia, and Oklahoma in the month of June. Those are kind of the three that have separated themselves from the rest right now. Eileen Clemson right now with Sammy Brown. If there is a school that overcomes the edge Clemson has there, I think it's OU, but I would not bet on that. Peyton Pierce is an Ohio State commit. Is OU still trying to stay in that, or have they moved on to other targets? I think that they will continue to keep the lines of communication open with Peyton Pierce just in case he has second thoughts down the road, but I do not get the sense that OU is going to press Peyton Pierce to flip his commitment the way that they did with Peyton Bowen a year ago because I think they understand that unless something changes drastically that is not within their power to control, Peyton Pierce is going to sign with the Buckeyes. Edric Houston, elite defensive lineman out of uh, Georgia. He took a he took a visit this year, correct? He did. Yeah, March. He was at Oklahoma. So uh, it kind of feels like he's going to stay down there in that southeast territory right now. Could he OV with Oklahoma? Sure, but – Kind of like Kobe Black, not one I'm counting on right now. Uh, here's the last one I have on the list. Text line, if you have any to add, 405-651-3439. This is one of the first prospects that we talked about in the 2024 class all the way back to last year. Feels like the ship has sailed for T.A. Cunningham, but is there any surprising news here no. recently? No. He's transferring to Miami Central, so he's going to be in the Hurricanes backyard. And – with what has been driving that recruitment, 
over the last year or so, and people, I would imagine, understand what I'm hinting at there. He's if if I had to throw darts and pick where T.A. Cunningham ends up, I'd say Miami. That's probably a pretty good bet if he's transferring to Miami Central. I uh, I feel like that could be worthy of a crystal ball there. Probably a pretty good guess. Uh, the staff is out on the road right now, and there's a lot of 25 offers going out. Michael Terry the third, uh, they offered a kid uh, with the nickname of Slim Reaper. <laughs> which is actually kind of cool. Emmanuel Choice, who's at a Lancaster, Texas, six foot four, one hundred and eighty-five pound wide receiver. Yeah, Emmett Jones is hot right now on the recruiting trail, but he's thrown out some twenty-five offers this week as well. He's uh, he's trying to stay hot, including this uh, six foot four offer that he has with the Slim Reaper. Well, that's Emmanuel Choice is the kid's name, and that is his first offer. Emmett Jones at the University of Oklahoma. Just gave a kid his first ever scholarship offer, which is a rarity. But it goes to show you, man, that Emmett is very, very good at evaluating and very good at building these relationships long before anybody else comes on the scene because he was the first coach ever to offer Bryant Wesco. He was the first coach ever to offer Grayson Harris. Now, Wesco may not be committed yet, but Grayson Harris is, and Oklahoma is widely considered the leader for Wesco, who is a newly minted five-star prospect. So Jones knows what he's doing, man. Sooner Gundy says Slim Reefer. Sounds like a suspension waiting to happen. Slim Reaper, not Slim Reefer. Uh, Big Dom McKinley, someone is wanting to know the latest with him. What's that? That's a 24 defensive lineman out of Louisiana, correct? Gonna OV. Oklahoma's offered his younger brother. It's – I'm going to have to be convinced. He's a five-star. Yeah, I'm going to have to be convinced there on Dominic McKinley. I do think the odds right now are a little bit higher with him than, guy, than the other guys I'm skeptical about on the defensive side of the ball in that five-star category, i.e. Kobe Black and Edric Houston. I think OU's got a very real shot at Dominic McKinley, but I do think they need to hit this official visit out of the park next month. By the way, Peyton Bowen's girlfriend, uh, yes, did indeed decommit from OU. What was that, last week? Yep. We had a little bit of a panic on the text line. SMU is uh, the selection for Peyton Bowen's girlfriend. So I do not suspect that Peyton Bowen will be playing for SMU next year. You will see him on OU sideline, not on SMU sideline. So Peyton Bowen to the Pony Express, not a thing. Not a thing. I am uh, reporting that here. So credit me for that report that I don't think uh, – I think he'll be on the OU sideline when OU and SMU play next year. 405-651-3439. Man, we got a lot of text to get to on the Meyer chevrolet text line. We got a lot of text to get to. And, yeah, we've been updating you on Jordan Tyson, but there's some other players in the portal we got to get to as well. Trey Amos is there. OU's got an offensive lineman out of App State that they're in on. We'll hit all that more coming up next right here on The Ref. Final segment, locked in with McComas and Thune, live from Chicken and Pickle in OKC, 8400 North Oklahoma Avenue. Yeah, sure, it's raining out today in the OKC metro area, but, hey, we're indoors here by the bar. Great drinks, great food. They have indoor pickleball courts as well. So uh, come by. I'm going to be here until 6 p.m. Come by and hang out. Uh, text line from the 402 Knipplemeyer Chevrolet text line. 
Give me Casey Poe and Grant Bricks on the offensive line, please. Should those be the two names that are atop the offensive line wish list for 2024? <laughs> or is it somebody else? I, I, Man, I tell you, and I talk about him a lot, but he's if I'm a Sooner fan, he's at the top of my wish list. Grant Bricks is a freaking executioner. And amongst the offensive tackle targets, he's the one that I'm highest on. And Casey Poe is more of an interior guy a player that Oklahoma is battling with several schools down the stretch for. He's going to OV with Georgia. He's going to OV with Clemson. Going to go to Auburn and Alabama and Texas Tech. He's going to take more than five official visits. Oklahoma will be one of them. But what's important to understand here is that Casey Poe's family likes the fit at Oklahoma, likes the proximity to home. So if they have any sway in this matter, the Sooners appear to be the most likely destination for Poe. From the 918, when you say Malik Murphy could push for the starting job because he's a beast, what is that based off of? I've never seen him play, just wondering. Well, I mean, he's like 6'4 and a half and 225 pounds, so physically, like more than any other quarterback they have, including two former five stars. Malik just looks like a dude back there. Again, 6'4 and a half, 225, I think is what he measures out at right now. Um, he can throw it. He can run it. He's just it, – he's, he's, a, he's a special talent if given the opportunity. Is he going to be given the opportunity? That's the big question I just don't right – I, I, I don't know, man. I – like, for his sake, I sure, I hope so. Um, but I, I feel like that, sure, he might be given a small chance this year. He's going to shine, and he'll probably be playing quarterback and be a starting quarterback for some other Power 5 team coming up in 2024 would be my best guess. Like, I, don't, I don't feel like he finishes his career at Texas. That's probably not a hot take at all with Arch Manning as a true freshman. But I do think Malik Murphy would probably go somewhere else and ball out. Yeah, and if Malik Murphy doesn't start by the end of the year at Texas, I would think he's going to go somewhere else and ball out because at that point it's very clear what the succession plan is, and it's Quinn Ewers to Arch Manning. Trey Amos is a defensive back in the transfer portal from Louisiana. He's got a nice little offer list, wouldn't you say? Uh, OU's contacted him. Michigan has. Alabama has. LSU has. Oregon has. Auburn has. Virtually everyone in the SEC has tried to get in on this uh, defensive back out of Louisiana. Uh, yeah, that boy good. And Jay Valai and Oklahoma working the angles here. We'll see what becomes of it. I don't think we're as close to a decision from Trey Amos as we are, say, from Jordan Tyson. But going to keep tabs on this one, see if Oklahoma can make a run and add another experienced cornerback to the fold. And you have Troy Everett, the App State offensive lineman. Talked about it yesterday. Seems like the same thing is true today. OU and Virginia Tech battle is what this one sounds like. All the way. OU or Virginia Tech, and both schools are pushing different things, pitching different things to Troy Everett. And this one has really started to turn in Oklahoma's favor over the last 24, 30 hours, I would say. So it looked like Virginia Tech for a long time. Virginia Tech's not out of it by any means, but – it's going to be one or the other, the Hokies or the Sooners. And he was supposed to make a decision yesterday. That's gotten pushed back because both programs are still making very compelling pitches and pushes for Troy Everett. So 
No clear indication of when we're going to get a final call from Everett, but it's either going to be OU or it's going to be Virginia Tech. Yeah, so I I would uh, like to have some depth at the uh, center spot, so hopefully that can happen. Maybe Rain moves over to guard and, and maybe uh, – this guy is your starting center. I, I don't know. We'll see. Uh, I believe it was Angry Ronnie was asked because we've been talking a lot about Emmett Jones, obviously. Like, who has he put in the league? And I'm trying to think of who he put in the league at Tech. We're talking like uh, TJ, TJ Vasher was at Tech when he was there. Dylan Cantrell. I, I don't know if both of those guys are currently in the league. Was it Vasher that was in the XFL? Like, all that to say, Angry Ronnie, like, he hasn't necessarily put in a first-rounder in the NFL draft, at least I don't think. But he's also been at Texas Tech or Kansas, so I'm not letting that affect my opinion of him. In fact, my my opinion of him is pretty high, seeing as what he's done in the past, what, five months now, I guess. Yeah. No real reason to be apprehensive about Emma Jones, especially when in the first four months that he's been on the gig at a blue-blood school for the first time in his life, he's made the haul that he's made on the recruiting trail as well. And <laughs> I I don't think – you know, we were talking about Emmett Jones solidifying his case for KREF Recruiter of the Month in May with Grayson yes. Harris. I don't think Jordan Tyson was even on our radar when that ca- conversation no, came up. So you lock down Jordan Tyson in the next few days, Emmett Jones might build himself an insurmountable lead in that race. One more from the 918. I see Quinn Ewers in the portal in 2024. The pressure will be high to start Manning, just like Chris Sims getting the nod over Major Applewhite. Maybe. I keep seeing mock drafts, though, that have Quinn Ewers going in the first round, and I just don't see it. But you could be right about that one because I think Arch is probably starting Texas first year in the SEC, just like Jackson Arnold will be at OU. The Rush coming up next. Keep it locked on the ref.